When you put that number 42 on, what does it feel like? It's almost like you don't want to wear it. Even though everybody's wearing it at the same time, I feel like nobody should wear it. Just because people just know Jackie Robinson, he broke the color barrier, boom, 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 whatever. But people like myself who know so many stories and know so much that he went through and being black, it's like, nah, no, I don't think anybody should wear it. I think it should be retired up in every stadium. And you know Jackie Robinson, you know everything about him. You should learn about him, you know, learn about what he went through, learn about everything that really everybody, all the Nero League guys went through. I think back on my time and my involvement with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, which is now hard for me to believe, 29 years of involvement, beginning as a volunteer and then ultimately starting to work for this institution in 1998, uh, ultimately becoming the vice president of marketing, leaving briefly and then coming back now in my 11th year as president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And over that time, I've had an opportunity to walk countless numbers of Major League Baseball athletes, coaches, managers, executives, and I get to share the stories. I get to share the stories, many of them, that my friend Buck O'Neill shared with me and many of them that I watched and listened as Buck O'Neill shared them with the young athletes because nothing excited him more than having young major league athletes walk through his museum. And when Buck O'Neill passed away almost 16 years ago, he basically handed me the baton. And I've taken that baton now and I get I guess, as I like to say, preach the gospel of the Negro Leagues and the virtues of his museum to these young athletes. And the thing that we talk about and the thing that I think really resonates with them is that we talk about it from the standpoint of love of the game. You play this game because you love it. Now, granted, sometimes as fans, we can get a little fickle. Because, unfortunately, we equate everything in our society to money. And so we think because the young athlete has an opportunity to make a great living playing this game, and they certainly do, that they don't love the game as much as the players of yesteryear. Of course they do. They're playing a game, folks, that they played for free when they were a kid. And if they had to play it for free again, they would. But what I also share with them is that you will never see a greater example of love of the game than you do when you walk through the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. You see, they had to love it in order to endure the things that they would have to endure. It wasn't uncommon that they could ride into a town, fill up the ballpark, and then yet not be able to get a meal from the same fans who had just cheered them or not have a place to stay. So they would sleep on the bus and eat their peanut butter and crackers until they could get to a place that would offer them basic services. Their spirit was, okay, if I've got to sleep on the bus and if I've got to eat my peanut butter and crackers, then so be it. I'm going to keep playing ball. And that's the prevailing spirit that really drives this story here at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And that's why I just delight in sharing the stories, sharing the stories of a Ted Double Duty Radcliffe who would say every 4th of July, they would play four games in one day and he would pitch two and catch two and sleep 35 minutes in between games. Yeah, you got to love it in order 
to do that. And, and this is not lost on my young athletes. And so that's why I really enjoy taking them through the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Because as we also so typically do, we have a tendency to focus on the hardships. But here at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, we paint the backdrop for what segregation was like. But our primary focus is what they did to overcome the adversity. And I think every athlete, and I don't care what color you are, black, white, red, blue, green, whatever color you might be, that is not lost on you. As we are now in the throes of commemorating and celebrating the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson being the man to land on the moon, to break baseball's color barrier, I think it's so important that our athletes understand the place that Jackie came from, which so prepared Jackie to take on this monumental task. Like many of you, they too are surprised to learn that Jackie's illustrious professional career began in the Negro Leagues. And that's why I say that you cannot tell the story of Major League Baseball's integration without the Negro Leagues and without Kansas City. Now, that has been the side of Jackie's story, however, that has oftentimes not been talked about because we focus so much on what happened that monumental day when he took that first step on the moon with the Brooklyn Dodgers that we've never really looked back to see where this legendary athlete, this legendary humanitarian came from, this civil rights icon. And it was the Negro Leagues. And so this is why I enjoy kind of sharing the legacy of the Negro Leagues with this new generation of athletes because I want them to embody this. I want them to understand what others have done. Those who laid down the foundation for people of color to play this game. And so it is rightful that we are paying tribute to the, the incredible pioneer that Jackie Robinson was. And it is also rightful that we are not forgetting the rest of those baseball pioneers who also sacrificed tremendously so that young athletes like Mookie Betts, Tim Anderson, and others of color who now play our game, that they were given that opportunity to do so at the major league level. And so this year, as is every year, is important for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum to tout that message. And we won't stop pushing that, that message out there. And y'all, I look forward to many years of sharing those stories of Satchel Paige and Cool Papa Bell and Josh Gibson, Leon Day, Boo June Wilson, Ted Double Duty Ratcliffe, Ray Dandridge, John Henry Pop Lloyd, and on and on and on with some of the greatest athletes to ever play this game. Coming up right after the break, I sit down with a man who understands the meaning of wearing that Dodger blue and one who embodies the spirit of the Negro Leagues and that is Los Angeles Dodger outfielder, Mookie Betts. This is NBA broadcaster Jason Jackson. Join former NFL linebacker Kirk Morrison and myself each week on Forward Progress as we keep the conversation going for the pursuit of racial and social justice in America. In each episode, we are discussing how this quest for equality intersects with the world of sports and entertainment through our conversations with athletes, activists, civic leaders, and more. Listen to Forward Progress on the SiriusXM app, now home to the best collection of podcasts in one place, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. 
And a fly ball to left field. Mookie Betts has hit another one out. Man, I can't tell y'all how excited I am to have joining me on Black Diamonds. Again, someone who is no stranger to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. As a matter of fact, he was the 2017 Oscar Charleston Legacy Award winner as our choice for American League Most Valuable Player that year. And I'm thrilled to have Los Angeles Dodger outfielder and uh, baseball great Mookie Betts. Mookie, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? It's, it's so good to see you, and thank you so much for joining us on Black Diamonds. And what an incredible year this should be. And we hope that it will be as we prepare to commemorate and celebrate the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's breaking of Major League Baseball's color barrier. You're a member of the Dodgers now. And so when you think about 75 years of him taking the field with the Dodgers, what goes through your mind? Um, just, you know, just being blessed, you know, just being happy that I got the opportunity to, to do what I'm doing now. Um, you know, obviously everything he went through was was rough, man. And, um, you know, kind of puts things in perspective because uh, my dad was alive then and, and he just knowing all the stories that he's told me and everything that he went through, um, which, you know, was pretty much nothing compared to what Jackie went through. Um, you know, it's just a, just a blessing to have someone who, who did it the way he did it, carried himself the way he carried himself. And it was still great. You know, that's it, it, hard to do. It, it really is. And sometimes Mookie, I think that is lost on people that Jackie, Jackie Robinson had to not only be a model citizen of the game, but then he has to play the game at an exceptional level just to be there. And, and, and I think people forget about that. And you're right. That is not easy to do. No, I mean, like, it, like I mean, any, they were probably, you know, obviously I don't know. I wasn't there at the time, obviously, but they were looking for any little, him to slip up any little, any little bit and they would probably got him out of there, you know, yeah. got to the next person. And so for him not to slip up and then not to react when he was kicked and spit on and all the other things and to go out and still, you know, play ball. Like, man, even now, like we complain about, you know, the media is hard now and it's hard, <laughs> to, you know, try all that. Try having everybody against you. Literally everybody was against everybody, you. everybody except really for black folks who was so excited about Jackie. Now, and, and I know that there were a fair share of white fans who were there rooting and cheering for Jackie as well. But really, you're right. The odds were stacked against him. And I think people were looking for him to fail. It, you know, I find it really interesting, Mookie, that when I used to talk to his teammates who were with him when he played that one season for the Kansas City Monarchs, and I was blessed to know several of those guys, and obviously the late, great Buck O'Neill. And they all knew that Jackie had the makeup, the intestinal fortitude to deal with whatever he might have to deal. They also knew that he was a little bit different than they were because they had been very much acclimated to segregation. Jackie was L.A. He wasn't accustomed to this Jim Crow stuff that they were going through, so he really had to humble himself for the greater good. This was totally out of character for Jackie to take the kind of abuse that Jackie was going to have to take in order to be that first guy. And the thing that they were more concerned about was whether or not Jackie had played enough baseball. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, Jackie had only played in the Negro Leagues for several months, and certainly he acquitted himself well. He played great those months that he was here with the Kansas City Monarchs, and he had played some baseball while in the military. But he hadn't really played a lot of baseball. And I remind, and you're a great athlete, and I remind people, baseball was Jackie's weakest sport. Yeah, he's yeah. much better basketball, football, track athlete than he was baseball player, and, and, and some say an even better tennis player. So there was nothing that Jackie couldn't do. But you think about this, baseball was his weakest sport, and he turns himself into a Hall of Fame caliber baseball player. And Mookie, he is literally carrying 
21 million black folks on his back when he walked across those lines. That just goes to show you like an athlete, you know, he being an athlete, you know, kids nowadays just playing one thing. He, Jackie is the prime example of, you know, he, he didn't play, like you said, he didn't play much baseball, but he played track, played tennis, played, you know, did he play, did he play football? I don't even know if he played. He did all American football play. He was a great running back at UCLA. So all, all of that, <laughs> and I didn't, I don't even remember him hearing about, I just remember mostly track, uh, basketball and, uh, and baseball, obviously. I don't, I didn't remember much uh, yeah. hearing about football, but there you go. Like he just, and he probably had went through all that and all those sports. So probably a combination of everything, you know, now I look at it. I mean, I'm not saying it was easy for him, but he was built for it. Like he had already he was kind built of, for it. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Because part of the reason that you go get Jackie and not one of the other players from the Negro leagues, because there were likely better baseball players in the Negro leagues than Jackie at that time. But you think about what you just said. See, Jackie was already comfortable playing with and against white athletes because he had already done it on the collegiate level. So this wasn't necessarily out of the norm for him to be in that environment where some of those other Negro League players, they had been very much acclimated to segregation. They could not have handled that social aspect of it. But yet, you're right. You still got to go out and perform. And when Jackie joins Brooklyn, he doesn't come out the gate you know, with a blaze, but then he got hot. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that, that natural ability and that instinct that he had, and he just took off and a legion of fans started to fall in love with Jackie Robinson. And the beautiful thing about it, and, and this is what makes me, and I talk about this all the time, great athletes appreciate great athletes because the only way you can measure how good you are is by competing with and against the very best. But when Jackie starts to really break loose there in Brooklyn, what did you see? You saw white kids on the playground saying, I'm Jackie Robinson, because they didn't see a black baseball player. They just saw a great ball player that they wanted to emulate and be like. Now, I I wanna take you back to your first visit here to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. What was that experience like for you? That was amazing. I honestly, uh, this year when I come to Kansas City, uh, my brother, well, there's a group of, a crew of eight of us. We're going to come through. Oh, uh, man, well, you, yeah, you make sure you reach out to me because I want to yeah, make sure I meet you guys. Um, I told, I already told him about it, but it was so much that it was kind of, it was hard for me to remember everything because there's so many guys, there's so many people that, you know, are in history and in baseball in general, not even just Negro leagues, but baseball in general that are so known and did so many great things that you go there and you kind of, it's almost in a good way, overwhelming because you didn't even know all this, all these people, you know? And so you didn't know about who, who else broke in. People don't know about Larry Doby, you know? And, 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 and I'm glad you mentioned that because, out at your ballpark, Dodger Stadium. I'm so proud that the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is collaborating with the Dodgers and Major League Baseball on a brand new exhibition called Barrier Breakers. And and that exhibit will chronicle all of the players who broke their respective Major League teams' color barriers, looking at the day that Jackie walked out on the field with Brooklyn through 12 years later, your old team, the Boston Red Sox, becoming the last team to integrate in 1959 when they signed a guy by the name of Elijah Pumsey Green. And we want to put some shine on all of those guys because, Mookie, it didn't get any easier for Pumsey Green in Boston and, tw- and you know, 12 years later in 1959 than it did for Jackie the day that he walked out on the field with the Dodgers. They all had to go through a, a level of turmoil and hate and vitriol as they were trying to carve out that path to play in the major leagues. And so we don't want them to be forgotten. Jackie is that pioneering first. And and as you well know, the first guy cannot fail because if the first guy fails, there is no second guy. And, And so, you know, what I love about the fact that whenever I have young athletes like yourself that get to come to the museum 
And I get to share the stories. And man, that never gets old for me. You know? <laughs> you know that day when you and, and Jackie, Jackie Bradley and several of your other teammates were here and we're walking through and I'm sharing these stories. And I just love to see the look on you guys' face. And But also, particularly for both the African-American and Hispanic athlete, for you all to understand what a proud legacy we have in this game. One of my favorite things about the museum is the diamond. Going through and you can see the greats in each position and you don't even know you, you may not even know half of them, but you go and you read and obviously you have all the stories. And I mean, you just learn like, wow, you know, you, you just it's just breathtaking, you know, just to, to know. And you have all the memorabilia in there and just every like it's literally everything. And so, I, like I said, I'm going back because, I you know, I learned a lot. But then there's just so much more, just so many layers that you have. So you've done an amazing job over there. Well, thank you, man. And I'm looking forward to the Dodgers coming out to Kansas City this season because we will do our salute to the Negro Leagues with the ball club this year. So when you guys are here in August, Saturday, August 13th, will be the actual salute to the Negro Leagues. And it's going to be the 1945 Kansas City Monarchs versus the 1947 Brooklyn Dodgers. Jackie versus Jackie. And so Jackie can't lose. <laughs> hey, I'm there, but I'm ready for it. I'm ready and, for and, it. And so you've had an opportunity. When you put that number 42 on, what does it feel like? It's almost like you don't want to wear it. Like, I feel like it's, even though everybody's wearing it at the same time, I feel like nobody should wear it. And just because, you know, people just know Jackie Robinson, he broke the color barrier, boom, 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 whatever. But people like myself who know so many stories and know so much that he went through um, and being black, um, it's like, nah, no, I don't think anybody should wear it. I think it should be retired up in every stadium and you know, you know, Jackie Robinson, you know, everything about him. You should learn about him, you know, learn about what he went through, learn about everything that really everybody, all the Nero League guys went through. I mean, but that number 42, you know, I get it. He has a day and I, I would never take that day away. Um, but I'm on the other side. I, I think you just leave it up there and, and, and let it do its thing. And he's the last person that should wear 42, you know? Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 an amazing thing to watch you guys when you do put that uniform on, that jersey number in particular. And again, being a part of the organization that he broke into, understanding the plight that he had in order to get there, and then acknowledging those who, as the late great Buck O'Neill would say, built the bridge that allowed Jackie to cross over. And, that, and that are, that's the players from the Negro Leagues. They built that bridge. And, and so when I see you play and I see some of the other young black stars that we have in our game today play and the style and the flair that you bring to the game, I'm looking at the Negro Leagues. And, and man, it just makes me feel good. You know, yeah, and, and I don't know if you realize you know, that someone like I am looking at it from that purview or not. you just playing the game the way that you know how to play the game. But I just always feel like you're channeling that inner Negro Liga that's in you, and, and it just makes me smile. I love watching you play. I mean, I, I, you know, it's thank you. Thank you for that. It, it's so funny. I think, uh, I think just Black people in general, when we go to – it doesn't matter what it, whatever it is. We we just have fun and we laugh and we're loud and we joke and all those things. And so that kind of comes out uh, without thinking about it. You know, it yeah. just kinda, I would pay any type of money to be a, a fly on the wall in a, in a Negro League dugout because there was no telling. People were probably <laughs> talking about each other, doing laughing and joking and doing everything. But, you know, we're all on the same team, you know, going and playing and competing against the other team. But, you know, we're talking trash to them, too. And, you know, it's just it's just fun, you know. And I, you know, that's kind of what we uh, what, what I try and do on the field now. Yeah, no, and, and it's beautiful to see. And, and like I said, I just enjoy it so much. And, and I know that 
you are involved with the Player Alliance, and I'm so proud of what you guys are doing. How important is that work? Uh, that, that's probably, um, I would say, just just as important as me going out and, and you know playing just a major league game. You know, just uh, like you mentioned earlier, building that somebody built the bridge for Jackie to play, and and so uh, that's kind of what we're doing now is building the bridge for the next generation um, to to play baseball and. You know, I, I think we just got to take a step back and, and look at it. It's not just about baseball. It's more just about giving them opportunity in, in life. You know, um, this baseball is no, not everybody's going to make it to the big leagues, not, but people can go to college and play baseball and get a mm-hmm. college degree and become a lawyer. Um, it can get you off the streets. You know, it could, it could just change someone's life, you know, just getting access to CC or Dex, Dexter file or myself or all, even all the, all the other black. Oh, players, absolutely. You know, just having access, there's something, there's maybe one sentence that we said to one of these kids that could change somebody's life. And so it's more, it's more than just baseball. It's, it's more about just creating opportunities for, for kids in life. And I think uh, once, I think we all have that same mindset and that's, I think that's why we enjoy doing it. Yeah, well, I tell you what, man, I am so proud of what the Alliance is doing. We are proud to be a part of teaming not only with the Alliance, but with Tony Clark and and the Players Association and MLB, because I think it is important that urban kids understand their place in this game. And when they walk through the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, they see that. They see themselves. They see themselves in their full glory. And they see themselves playing this game as well, Mookie, as anybody has ever played this game. And the thing you talked about, they had fun. Despite the social hardships, these guys had a great time playing baseball. If you were to sit down with a group of former Negro Leaguers, they would talk very little about the challenges that they had traveling this country. They wanted you to hear about the great plays that I made and and what we were doing at those games and then where we went to the nightclubs and hung out after the game. That's what they're going to talk to you about. Yeah, they had a great time playing this game against all of the difficulties that were there. Hey, man, I I can't wait to see you uh, and your family when you guys come to Kansas City in August. Uh, I am so proud of what you continue to do. And, and this is coming from a, a, a Kansas City Royal and an Atlanta Braves fan. And so, but I still, it is hard for me not to root for Mookie Betts because I just love the way you do your thing, man. And I hope that there are other kids who want to emulate and play this game the way you play it because you play it like you were playing in the Negro Leagues. Mr. Mookie Betts, man, thank you for carving out a little time. Best of luck with this this season. And and like I said, I look forward to seeing you, man, in Kansas City. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, my man. And keep on doing what you're doing. And I'll be there and I'll make sure I hear some more stories. Yeah, get get some more for me. I'll be ready. I got some teed up for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mookie. Yes, sir. Coming up out of the break, I talked to another player who embodies the spirit of the Negro Leagues and certainly understands what it means to wear number 42, Chicago White Sox dynamic shortstop, Tim Anderson. Celebrate the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson's breaking of the color barrier in Major League Baseball by learning about how he got there at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Located at the corner of 18th and Vine in Kansas City's historic Jazz District, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is the world's only museum dedicated to preserving and celebrating the rich history of African-American baseball and its impact on the social advancement of America. For more information, visit nlbm.com and follow Bob on Twitter at nlbmprez. And don't miss the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum's traveling exhibit called Barrier Breakers, From Jackie to Pumpsy, at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, available now through the All-Star Game. Sure. 
Short lead by Sebi. The pitch is hit in the air. Deep to right. That ball is gone. White Sox win. The field of dreams. Light it up. Can you believe it? The hero of the game is Tim Anderson. Well, I am super excited to have joining me one of the players that I admire watching play and someone who I believe truly embodies the spirit of the Negro Leagues. And he is, too, no stranger to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. So please welcome Mr. Tim Anderson from the Chicago White Sox to Black Diamonds. Tim, how are you, man? Man, how we doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on. Man, it's so good to see you. And, you know, as I mentioned, you're no stranger to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And right. if, I, if I recall correctly, it was Daryl Boston that brought yep. you to the museum the first time? Yeah, he brought me the first time, and I came back two or three more times. <laughs> you yeah. know, I brought some kids with me. So, you know, I've I always been coming to see you when I came out there. Yeah, no, man, and we love it. We appreciate it. What do you remember about your first visit to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum? What struck you uh, about that history? Just really, you know, it was my first time in the museum, my first time really learning about uh, Negro League Baseball. Um, you know, I was, a, I was a kid that, you know, I really didn't, you know, play a lot of, oh, I played a lot of baseball. I really, it really wasn't talked about, um, and I really wasn't around the game a lot. So, you know, just when I stepped in the museum and just seeing, you know, what was really going on and you was really telling me what was going on, you know, that was that was definitely, you know, one of the coolest moments of my life. Um and definitely, you know, made me push harder and understand, you know, more into the culture of the game. Um and understood, you know, what those guys went through and understand, you know, uh the situation what it was back then. And, yeah. you know, for being here to today. Uh, I'm I'm so grateful, so thankful. And uh man, it's such an honor just to, you know, continue to carry on something that been created way before me. And, uh, you know, right to, to be right in the middle of it and uh, be aware, you know, it's definitely, you know, uh, I'm definitely on it for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing that I love about it, Tim, I always get excited. I always get excited. Anytime we get young athletes, I don't care what color they are, but right. we obviously get black and brown athletes to come into the right. museum. That is significant because those are your roots. You know, right. this, this is your legacy. This is your place in the game. And to be able to share the history and to share the story and to then see you all's reaction to right. that history, that's what always excites me. And it never gets old. It really doesn't. Right. You know, I get to tell the stories time and time as we're recording this i'm preparing for some guys from the uh cleveland guardians i got to get custom okay. saying that the cleveland guardians yeah. who are going to come down and i'll get a chance to walk around with them much the way the late great buck o'neill did for so many years and so now i get to do that yeah. and what even excites me even more is that and i don't know if you knew it but the way you play the game Oh, yeah. It's very much reminiscent <laughs> of the way yeah. they played it in the Negro Leagues. Right. I'm saying I'm aware, you know, and, and for me to, you know, step in that setting and for you to tell me those type of stories that those guys and the way they traveled and, and what they needed and what they had. Uh, man, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a blessing for me to be, you know, in the situation I am today. The game I've grown so far. Um, and I, and I, I can only imagine, you know, the time that they will have in, in Major League Baseball. So, you know, uh, you know, for me to be right in the middle of it and for me to be enjoying it, uh, the game. And, uh, you know, I love my job. You know, I love yeah. my job. I go and have fun uh, and try to bring positive energy to the game. And, uh, you know, also, you know, inspire kids around the world to, you know, try to try to tap into it and just see what it's about. Learn about it. You know, uh, it, it just it's just definitely going to draw more interest. And uh, that's what it did for me once I came to, the, you know, the Negro League Museum. And uh, I got a big I got the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's outstanding. And I know it touched you because you and your wife pulled together an incredible trip. And I am so disappointed. I was traveling when you guys brought that group of kids from Chicago, specifically to Kansas City, right. to visit the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and have Kansas City barbecue and then right. get a chance to come out to the K to watch you play against the Kansas City Royals. Why was that important to you? Man, just you know, uh, you know, once I once I thought about it and looked back on, you know, uh, Daryl Boston bringing me to to the museum, uh, I was like, man, this is like 
this is it. You know, I think, I think these kids need to see what's really going on. And, uh, you know, but it was also a huge opportunity for me, you know, coming from Chicago and 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 and, and such a, a violent, you know, place and, and, and trying to get kids out of, you know, try to see something new. And uh, I think it was only right that I brought them to the Negro League Museum to, you know, learn a little bit and, uh, you know, also get, a, you know, get a get a little shot of the culture. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it'll it will be a trip that those young people will remember the rest of their lives. Yeah. Because Definitely. number one, obviously it was arranged by someone that they look up to and admire in yourself. Right. And, and of course your wife, because you guys are doing so much to give back there to the Chicago community. But you never know how these kinds of things will impact a young person going right. forward. And, and I just think that this will be something that they will hold on to, a memory that they will hold on to for the rest of their lives. I think when I read the story, it was some of their first, some of the kids' first time on an airplane. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And some had never really been outside of the Chicago area. Yeah. yeah. And, so we, did a great, we got a great... Um, White Sox did a great job. We teamed up with uh with United, and they uh you know gave the kids a tour, and uh you know flew them out, and you know it was a pretty good, pre- pretty good fun trip. You know they got they got good treatment, you know from from Kansas City, uh you know so it was just so much love, you know throughout that trip, and uh it was a lot of learning, and uh, yeah. I definitely enjoyed it, and I was hands on with them. I was I, I was right there with them, you know. Just doing <laughs> tour. I was right there with them, you know. It, it's easy, you know, it's just easy to, you know, send, send kids or, you know, uh, send money to, you know, people. But I was hands on right there with them, uh, yeah. taking every step they took and, and eating the barbecue they was eating. So, you know, <laughs> I, was right, I was right there with them. So it was, it was definitely real. <laughs> yeah, how, how did they like that KC barbecue? <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> like that, it was good for sure. And and, and what you said, I think, really resonates with me because it's one thing that I talk about oftentimes when we talk about the Negro Leagues and its impact on the community. Yeah, these incredible athletes could play. And and I think the work that we've done over the last three decades, we've helped people understand that there were some pretty good baseball players who played in the Negro Leagues. But their community impact is something that sometimes people don't quite understand. But, Tim, I think it speaks to what you just mentioned the hands-on. You see, when we had the Negro Leagues and they were operating in that world of segregation, Mm -hmm. it didn't matter how much money Buck O'Neill made or Satchel Paige or Cool Papa Bell or Josh Gibson made, they were living in the exact same community as I was. So I saw them every day and I not only wanted to emulate them for how they played the game, I wanted to emulate them on how they carried themselves as men because they were there. They were present. I go in the barbershop, they're in the barbershop. Relatable. I go, exactly. You can relatable. relate to it. Suitable, and, and, super relatable. Yeah. And, and I think that's what is so important as we look at bringing black kids back to our game. They need Tim Anderson. I had Mookie Betts on the show earlier. They need Mookie Betts. We need... Our game, I think you have to see yourself in that role in order to dream and believe that you can yeah. follow in your footsteps. We're great, great examples. We're great examples to the younger kids that, you know, that look up to us. And, uh, you know, for us to be at, to be out, you know, uh, succeeding at, at the highest level. I mean, there's no level higher than, higher than this. And, you know, for us to be succeeding, I mean, it's only right that, you know, that, that they want to be like us. Yeah. And, yeah. When, when did you know? When did you know that you were good at this game? Uh, I would say probably after 2019, once I won the Baton title, I, you know, I, I started, I started learning more and the confidence kept coming and the confidence kept coming and, you know, not a confidence through the roof. And I've been doing it for three straight years, you know, being consistent. Uh, so it's only on me just to continue to keep learning, continue to get better. Um, I mean, they, they giving me everything right in front of me. So how good you want to be, you know what I mean? So I start digging into my game, man, and identifying myself, learning myself. And uh, the biggest part was really just, you know, uh, being comfortable in my skin and also, you know, uh, having fun. That definitely helped me grow. And, uh, you know, now my personality really just popping out and just, I just enjoy it. And I'm enjoying the moment, man. You only get one life. You only do this once, man. (laughs) I'm definitely going to enjoy every moment of it and I'm not going to let nobody take anything away from me. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. And, And our relationship, and I say our, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum's relationship with the Chicago White Sox has always been in a very strong relationship yeah. and it starts from the very top yep. with Mr. Reinsdorf. 
He, he has always been a big fan of the Negro Leagues. He was very close to a lot of Negro League players uh, mm-hmm. prior to your arrival, of course, the great Ted Radcliffe, who was a fixture there at White Sox Park. And yeah, I heard, he, I heard a bunch of Jackie Robinson stories. He <laughs> about, so, so, yeah, super aware that, he, that he's really tapped in into, into, yeah. into Negro League Baseball. Uh-huh, but one of the players he admires so much was Sam Harrison. And Sam Harrison, you might know, is the grandfather of Jerry Harrison Jr. Okay. and Scott Harrison. That's their grandfather. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The Jerry Harrison, I know. I know. I know yes, you talk about. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and, and Mr. Reinsdorf admired Sam so much. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to Jerry and Scott, and they were fortunate enough to have great major league careers themselves, They'll yep. tell you that their grandfather was far better than they were. Sam yeah, Harrison was Jerry the last. Was in, he was in the organization once I, once I yes, got drafted. Yes, so I kind of, yes, You know, he that's taught, right. He fun skills and everything. So I kind of was around him a lot, you know, once I first got in the organization. And, uh, man, just great. Just just great overall, man. You know, somebody that you want to be around. You you know how you find those older guys that you want to learn from or that you just want to, you know, pick their brains a little bit. He was one of those guys that, you know, uh, that I learned from. And, and if I had any questions, I mean, he was there for me. Yeah, see, that's the beauty. And, and I think, again, you just touched on something. Sam Harrison was the last player from the Negro Leagues to win the Triple Crown. And he really, he really didn't get a fair shot when he got to the major because he's older, you know. Right. And he may have been older than what he even acknowledged, which right. is not, a, not, not uncommon yeah. in the Negro Leagues. Right, right. Uh-huh. He didn't get a chance, the fair shot, but he was doing exactly what you said. He was relating information back to the young players and, and sharing knowledge and passing that knowledge along. See, but I, what I love is the fact as a young player yourself that you're willing to go get that knowledge from guys who have done it. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware of the situation. You know, I'm aware of the situation. I'm aware of the seat that I'm in. And, uh, you know, I want to capitalize. I want to maximize while I'm here. And I understand yeah. I understand what I can do, yeah. uh, you know, in nowadays game with the resources we have, with the connections we have and with the way that the world is getting better. Um, I understand, you know, how much I mean to, you know, this community, uh, you know, Negro League Baseball and, uh, you know, just just black kids around the world. I understand that. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's the way that I do. And uh, I carry, the, carry myself the way I do. And I just try to be relatable as I can. Yeah. Well, this year is a really significant year. This year marks the 75th anniversary. Mm-hmm. of Jackie Robinson's breaking of Major League Baseball's color barrier. And uh, you will get a chance, as you've done in previous years, to put on number 42. What does that feel like? Man, it's a blessing. You know, you understand and you learn the things that he went through. He did it all for, for a guy like me, you know, for, for, for guys like myself to be able to scrap on his uniform. And, and he, he did something that, that's still going on today. <laughs> and it's going to continue to go on. So I think that I think that should be enough to, to, for the people to know, you know, how how big of an impact he was to the game, to the community, to to the culture, just overall. And I mean, it's just such an honor to be able to, you know, put on 42. Um, and I'll never take that for granted. Never. Yeah. Well, we we will join Major League Baseball's Players Association the Player Alliance, which I know you're involved with the Player Alliance and saluting Jackie and also celebrating the other pioneers who followed Jackie, the integration pioneers, one of which played in your city, my dear friend, the late great Minnie Minoso, who mm-hmm. will at long last be inducted into the National Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. A true legend. Yes. A true legend. And he, and he was, Tim, the... Afro Latino Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. No, he did exactly for that Afro Latino player what Jackie did for all players. Right. And I'm so excited that he's going to finally be inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And so, you know, for, for me, when I see players put on that 42 jersey, and, and again, particularly the African American ball player wearing that number 42 and hopefully gaining a sense and understanding and obviously an appreciation for what Jackie had to endure. Because as I relate back to people, Jackie wasn't playing for Jackie. He he was literally, Tim, carrying 21 million black folks 
on his back when he walked out on that field. (laughs) And and, and I don't have to tell you, you know how difficult this game is to play under the best of circumstances, no less carrying the weight of an entire race of people on your shoulder. And, And it just makes me marvel at how he was able to push that all aside somehow and stay locked in and play this game at such a high level. And still be successful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tough to do. That's tough to do, man. Cause I can only imagine, uh, you know, some of the things that he went through, but I mean, it was his mission. It was his goal. Uh, he knew the drive, he worked and, uh, you know, just, for, just for him to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative. You know what I mean? Cause he didn't have to, he could have no. stopped right there and left it right there. <laughs> well, I, re- I remember talking to his daughter, Sharon, once, Tim, and I asked her, I said, do you think your father really knew what he had just signed up to take on? Yeah. You know, because it's hard for me to imagine that someone will willingly walk into this environment yeah. knowing that you're going to be the subject of, of, of hate and vitriol and, you know, everything else that he had to endure. But I think you said something that I think probably is true. It may have been his calling. He may yeah. have been called yeah. to do what he did. Yeah. I mean, it had to. Look where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was doing. We didn't. We was on the outside looking in. Yeah. He knew what he knew he knew what he he knew what he was doing. It was a plan. And uh it's just great to see that it worked out and uh opened the door for me, a guy like me, you know. So but everybody got their own story. And uh I'm just thankful for, Thankful for, you know, uh, his situation and, 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 and what he did for the game, what he did for the community. And, uh, you know, now I get to go right up under that umbrella and continue to shine as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and shine you are, man, when you take the field every day. You, yep. you talked about you, how much you love your job. What does yep. it feel like when you walk out on that grass every single day to uh, go out there and do your thing? I'm doing something I love, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that can't, that can't really say that, you know, I'm going out playing a game that I love, enjoying every moment of it. Um, and also, you know, I'm impacting community. I got a lot of people behind me that's, that's cheering me on. So, you know, it's, it just feels so good to, you know, be able to do something so positive in, in today's world and, uh, you know, also impact a lot of people that's around you and also see it and be aware of it. And that don't do nothing but make you want to, do more, do more, and keep putting smiles on people's faces and keep making people happy and keep being that positive to the community. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I just continue to, you know, do. And, um, you know, like like he was into his calling, I'm into my calling. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, how blessed are we to do the things that we absolutely enjoy doing? There are a lot right. of people who don't get that. And, and, and that is not lost, and it's certainly not something that I know that you don't take for granted, uh, the way you play. And our sport, our sport, as you know, is a beautiful game of comparisons and yep. statistics. And, and we're oftentimes trying to draw comparisons to who the young stars of today, who they look like or play like. And people ask me all the time, well, Tim Anderson, what about Tim Anderson? Who does he remind you of in the Negro Leagues? And there are two names, Tim, that come to, to mind. A player by the name of Willie Wells. Mm-hmm. His nickname was El Diablo, the devil. <laughs> and, and Willie Wells, one of the greatest shortstops of all time. And then another player by the name of Dick Lundy, mm-hmm. uh, Sir Lundy, Sir Richard Lundy. Both you physically, you all of you guys, you're a little bit bigger than Willie Wells. Wells was about five seven, but Dick Lundy and you are very much comparable in size. Both of them were outstanding defensive shortstops. I had Ozzie Smith on the podcast last year the wizard and and willie wells spent a lot of his time playing in st louis and willie wells as i remind people was ozzy smith before we ever knew who ozzy smith was he he was making those same kind of acrobatic plays willie wells too had power so he was a power hitting shortstop and who hit for average And, and dick lundy reminds me a great deal of you as well because you guys are five tools Five tool guys, and and, and that's why plus I enjoy one. plus one. You don't see the, you don't see the other tool in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think both of those guys, Willie Wells, was very fiery and feisty. Willie Wells, man, you know he was a competitor. Willie Wells yeah. invented the batting helmet. 
Yeah, yeah, Willie. That's, and, and, and I'm gonna share this story with you. Willie Wells. They were playing in the playoffs, and, and a spitball pitcher named Bill Bird hit Willie Wells in the head, knocked him unconscious. And the medical staff said, "You can't go back and play the next day." No, not Willie Wells. You know what Willie Wells did? Willie Wells took a construction helmet, taped it around his head, got <laughs> back in the batter's box, and that is the early batting helmet in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Now, now we all rock helmets. Everybody rock helmets <laughs> now, thanks to Willie Wells. And, and, and Dick Lundy was very smart, athletic. Um, you know, he just understood the game. And was a five-tool guy. So when people ask me about you, those are the two players that come to mind. So you're going to have to Google both of them now. Yeah, Willie Wells. Yeah, yeah, Willie Wells and, and Dick Lundy. Dick Lundy should be in the Hall of Fame. Willie Wells is in the Hall of Fame. And hopefully right. Dick Lundy will be another one of the great Negro League shortstops to make it to the Hall of Fame. And so, you know, again, you are walking in such a proud legacy. Uh, as a black athlete playing and making his living in this game, keep playing it, man, with the kind of joy and youthful exuberance that you bring to the game. I love it. We love it. As I shared with Mookie, uh, I just enjoy watching you guys play because every time I see you take the field, I know that you embody that spirit of the Negro leagues and it runs through you And, and we appreciate seeing that. So, Best of luck this season. Uh, I look forward to seeing you back in Kansas City. I know the Sox make several trips here, so I look forward to seeing you back. Take it easy on my Royals, man. Don't beat up on them. Don't beat up on my Royals too bad. (laughs) I'm going to show a little love to you. (laughs) Mr. Tim Anderson, thank you so much for joining me on Black Diamonds. Uh, I look forward to seeing you put on that number 42. It's going to be very special. Great to see you. Thank you. If you enjoyed these stories and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Diamonds is also available on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcast. For more information on the Negro Leagues and the legends of the game, please check out our website, nlbm.com, and follow us on Twitter at NLBMuseumKC. Black Diamonds is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network and is hosted by me, Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Additional voiceovers provided by Darnio Samuels. Editing and sound design by Rob Moore. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Vice President of Sports Programming, Chris Eno. SiriusXM Podcasts. <laughs>